And, you know, I, I was born and raised in China, like everybody compared kids, right? I grew up being compared. My mom say, you see neighbor's kid did this, right? Whoever's kid did that. And it's really hard. A part of me, I think I was working on myself like, okay, I need to stop comparing my daughter to other people's kid, especially when she's so young. But obviously at the same time, like, am I missing a milestone? Ever feel like you suck at this job? Motherhood, I mean. Have too much anxiety and not enough patience. Too much yelling, not enough play. There's no manual, no village, no guarantees. The stakes are high. We want so badly to get it right. But this is survival mode. We're just trying to make it to bedtime. So if you're full of mom guilt, your temper scares you. You feel like you're screwing everything up and you're afraid to admit any of those things out loud. This podcast is for you. This is Failing Motherhood. I'm Danielle Bettman, and each week we'll chat with a mom ready to be real, sharing her insecurities, her fears, her failures, and her wins. We do not have it all figured out. That's not the goal. The goal is to remind you, you are the mom your kids need. They need what you have, you are good enough, and you're not alone. I hope you pop in earbuds, somehow sneak away, and get ready to hear some hope from the trenches. You belong here, friend. We're so glad you're here. Hey, it's Danielle. Do you ever feel like you're failing motherhood? You're in the right place, my friend. Hey, how's your mental health? Like, for real. I know there are one million different reasons to be stressed out right now, which is why it's worth considering for one moment if any of those are within your control. If they are, do something about it. Take action. Eliminate that chaos from your schedule. Forgive that guilt. Fix that problem. All the things we can do together through coaching. If they aren't, you aren't doing yourself or your family any good by keeping that weight on your shoulders. Whatever vibe you are putting out into the world is the one that your kids are taking on themselves. The best thing you can do for your kids is to become hyper aware of your stress response and improve it. Easier said than done, but 100% worth the effort. My guest today is Grace Henke, an anti-obedience dog trainer and mom of almost one-year-old. I know that her recap of her first year of parenting will bring vivid memories back of your own. The confusion, the guilt, the pressure, the survival. She's really good at articulating how much she just wanted to do well for her daughter, but found herself feeling so conflicted by all that overwhelm. I guarantee at the end of this episode, you'll have a renewed compassion for yourself because of what you're finding for her, as well as a whole new perspective on dog and human training. Let's get to it. Welcome to Failing Motherhood. My name is Danielle Bettman, and on today's episode, I'm joined by Grace Hankey. Grace was born and raised in China and pursued a master's degree in statistics in the U.S., After negotiating a huge raise at a Bay Area startup, she quit a month later to start her dog training business. She's an anti-obedience trainer and the founder of Mensa Mutts. She specializes in helping teach dog owners how to communicate with their shy, fearful, or reactive dogs. Welcome, Grace. Thanks so much for joining us today. Wow, honor so my. I'm glad to be here. Yay, so you're a new mom, right? Yep, first time mom with a nine months old. Congratulations. 
Thanks. <laughs> so I'm sure it's been smooth sailing. Of course. <laughs> I'm already an expert. <laughs> right. Yes. Have you ever felt like you were failing motherhood? Uh, all the time. Just this past weekend, I was literally like on fire. I, I hand the baby to my husband like, okay, I'm about to lose it. So here you go. <laughs> yep. Welcome to the club. You're one of us. <laughs> and only one, easy. you know, only one. It's already like this. And I don't know yeah. how you guys can handle more than one kid. I, I'm still <laughs> need to wrap my head around that. <laughs> you somehow it doesn't get easier but you get better at it I don't really know how it works but we keep having babies somehow <laughs> <laughs> I remember having my newborn my first newborn and being like how would I possibly do this with a toddler and then a year later I was doing that I had a 15 month old and a new baby surprise <laughs> wow yeah I don't recommend it it was a blur um it was pretty awful especially recovering from a c-section at the same time but oh, wow. hey I survived and the kids are still alive so there's that <laughs> yeah I think that just kids just like well I don't want to say kids just like dogs my husband really hates that phrase um <laughs> but they're resilient you know um we do not give them enough credit, I guess. There's the first several months of my baby's life. I'm like, oh my gosh, was she like, well, I break her neck by accident? Because, you know, every doctor tell you, oh my gosh, you, you baby could suffocate. Your baby could like break her neck. If you hold it mm -hmm. wrong, then you can't you have to support her head. So I was like so freaked out. And then there's soft spot on the on the head. You can't touch it. Yes. Oh, I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, at least she's bigger now so like okay she's not that fragile anymore <laughs> yeah it's a lot of pressure when they're so tiny they're so yeah. breakable <laughs> <laughs> oh so what has what has becoming a mom looked like for you oh my gosh you know still from time to time I feel still surreal like I'm a mother now I sometimes tell my husband oh my gosh we have a daughter now I'm a mother now like yeah oh our kid already nine months old geez like it's like, and especially during this pandemic, right? You just feel like time, like you feel like it didn't do anything. Like our car seat, car seat pretty much just sit in the house because we didn't go anywhere, like didn't get used. <laughs> and then now actually today I'm going to take her to her nine months checkup. I'm like, geez, I haven't got, go out really out of the house for several months in the sense of like do anything yeah. besides doctor appointment. And her last appointment, six months. So it's been three months. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I just feel like, gosh, this and now it's July of 2020 when we record this. And uh, wow, it's like this whole year just just crazy. Like, I, I don't know, just feel like didn't do much and half year passed. And we're where we're heading right now. And my baby going to be hit one year old. And then, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, you'll be like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. She'll be almost one. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a huge milestone. I know. And I kept, you know, worrying that, you know, my family members kept sending me the text. Oh, my God. Whoever's kid already walking and oh. whoever's kid already eating solid food. And uh, she's able to stand in right now. She's not able to walk yet. And I'm like, am I behind? You know, like, you're just like, yeah. am I behind? And then... Um, 
Uh, she's still eating her like second stage food. She doesn't like you know big chunk of food yet. She will have this gagging thing going, like really sad. I like she was like, oh, oh, I'm like, oh my god, are you choking? She like, I, she, and she would scream like when she doesn't like what what I fed her, and <laughs> she just screams. She just scream. I'm like, you're hungry, and maybe you're not hungry enough. I I don't know. <laughs> just, yeah, they're so hard to Everything. read when they can't communicate. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, you know, the people say you do the sign language. So I was doing it. I've been doing it since she's like three months old. I don't think she's getting it at all. People say, oh, she was signing back by six months. She's nine nine months now. She's not. I didn't see anything she's signing back. But the only occasionally I do the milk sign, and she does have like give me giggles. I'm like, okay, maybe she understands that one. But yeah, other than that, it's really hard. I was like, who who said their kids just start communicating my kids just screaming all the time i'm like <laughs> i don't know so the comparison yeah game is real especially around nine months because the the gap in what's normal it spans so much and it's so different kid to kid but of course people love to brag if their kid's the first one to do something <laughs> right yeah and this stuff happened since she's little and uh, it's really hard because when she's little, share a story with you. So the first night we're sent home. So I got induced on a Friday night. Oh, I, I recommend anybody don't get induced during weekend, like on Friday night. So Saturday, apparently the lactation consultant is not available because she's not working that day. So they don't have it on staff. She only came to visit me during the day on Friday where I haven't had my baby yet, right? And she just kind of talked about what's going on. I'm like, sure. And I was half like sedated <laughs> and like, and then uh, Saturday came around, you know, and then it's like, so no one's available. Like, and then the, obviously latching was not easy. Uh, and then uh, it's kind of hurt and among other things and the nurse try to help you, but they also give you different advice and they don't know really exactly what's going on. And I got discharged on a Sunday and back home Sunday night, I think like 9 p.m. or something, my baby just can't stop, couldn't stop screaming. Like literally she's crying so hard, like for hours. And we're calling insurance, you know, insurance card have like a nurse on call or whatever you call. So I called, we told them what's going on. Baby can't stop screaming. And she said, you need to go back to your birthing hospital. And so Sunday night, like midnight, we went back to the emergency, to the nursing, to the birthing hospital. They happened to have an emergency department and then we went we stayed there for like two three hours they were able to get a you know pediatrician on staff came over and then the thing is that oh, your baby's fine there's nothing physically wrong with her and we're like but she's screaming how are we gonna fix this and yeah. they and we thought she'd have gas and uh, she couldn't pass gas they said oh you just need to go to the pharmacy tomorrow to get some gas drops and um, um, maybe she's hungry and need to nurse her. I'm like, I, I don't know. I've been nursing. I, that's the best I can do. My milk haven't come in as much, I guess. And I just, and the second day I was calling my pediatrician because usually, you know, to take a couple of days, you said to go schedule your pediatrician appointment. I called, I was super furious. I said, I need appointment now. Like my baby was at ER last night and we couldn't, we didn't know what's going on. No one can tell us what's going on. I got this charge said everything's perfect, right? And then, so my pediatrician had to squeeze in an appointment for me. And then she, and after she weighed my baby, she said, your baby already lost 12% of her body weight. 
just so she said that's why your baby's crazy right now your baby pretty much starving and she said when your baby lost over 10 percent, your baby just not gonna be in good mood i said why no one told me that i said i was at er last night no one no one say that they weighed baby they they did a heartbeat and everything and they told me baby is physically fine and then so my doctor just said you need to supplement and give her formula and that's also the other part before i when i was pregnant i was told you can never give your baby fake nipples because you try to nurse you don't introduce mm-hmm. formula you don't introduce nipples you don't introduce pacifiers I'm like, oh, geez, like, you know, and then the doctor said, you you can't concern about that right now. You need to feed your baby. And then so my husband just went out, bought formula right away. And the, my pediatrician said, you have to come back tomorrow. You need to feed your doctor today and to come back tomorrow. So the second day, she actually gained like an ounce, right? Supposedly gained every ounce per day and she started gaining weight. And then obviously she's a much better baby after <laughs> she able to eat. And then my milk started coming in and things start getting easier a little bit. And then I went to visit a lactation consultant, right? And then they, she actually doesn't have good latch. She has both tongue tie and leaf tie. Ooh. And, uh, but so the, so the lactation consultant, oh, you need to get surgery done. You know, you just need to go to or a surgeon. They will just cut it. It's so easy. And then, then they weigh the baby after nursing. And then she said, well, she, she drank enough milk. So if you don't want to do that, that's probably fine too. Uh, as long as you don't feel hurt and she's eating, so no big deal. So everybody oh give God. you different information, right? And then, so I'm like, okay, do I need to do this or not? And then my pediatrician said, no, if she's able to gain weight, I don't want you over concerned about that. Just let it be. So it's been like that. And then, and then the, you know, later on I had a, a Block duct about two months in. Oh my God. I was, oh, I was like, gosh, this is hurt. And then, and I called like three lactation consultants that's being referred. None of them can come over. One of them just have baby th- herself, and the other one, like, oh. she's not taking new patient. And I'm like, are you freaking serious? I'm like losing my mind right now. And then yeah. finally find someone. And then I have to reach out to my OB and said, do you have recommendations? Because the pediatrician gave me three names. None of them are available. And she actually recommended somebody. And that lady came in the same day to my house. And she actually showed me how to latch my baby correctly the first time ever. And my baby's like two and a half months old or something like that. Oh, oh my gosh. Why no one ever told me? And she's like, well, she said, you're still going to feel hard because your baby's so used to latching the wrong way. <sighs> but you, and she also like, don't get too obsessed about that. But if you can, like baby can eat and you feel right, don't get too stressed out about that. And so <laughs> that's, you know, oh, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and then, and then the thing is, you know, other people, will, especially family member, like, oh, we have kids that never, never like this. No, no kids like yours, right? Like, so, so I'm like, my kid's fine. And then they, they start like worrying about, oh my God, is her tummy hard? Maybe she have blockage, right? I'm like, what? No. And then she, she apparently have constipation. My baby, I knew since she's born, apparently she's, she's constipated. She couldn't poop. So my doctor said, you actually have to feed her some juice every day. So help her to poop. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then she couldn't 
you know, newborn couldn't drink stuff, right? And she hates nipples. So I have to have a syringe just shoot down her throat. Like, oh my gosh. Because otherwise she can't poop. She will like three, four days not pooping. And then she will cry when she's pushing. And then the doctor said, you can't, you can't have your baby like that. She said, you have to help your baby. So she finally, we finally kind of get her poop under control. And recently she started constipated again i guess <laughs> my oh, doctor no. said that probably won't go away it will come back and uh, so right now she has you know especially she's on solid now and her poop's like horrendous <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh it was bad and that she's like i'm like oh my gosh she probably has constipated again like so every day you know i have a clock like an internal clock okay did she poop today how many times she poop how how how's your poop What's the color it is, right? What's the consistency? And then we're joking about my husband said, wow, he's so obsessed with poop because I talk about dog poop all the time too. <laughs> Ask my clients, how many times your dog poop? And are they firm? And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and now we're like obsessed about my daughter's poop. Like, see how she's doing. <laughs> Gosh, it's just, it's just crazy. I, you know, I was like, wow, I can't believe like, how people going through this. And I don't think my baby's like most difficult one or and she's yeah. healthy, right? And by the same time, I'm like, gosh, I bet she's not the easiest one either. I have like uh friends, they they just have newborn. They said they take baby to work already and baby just sleep. I said my daughter never slept. Like she's screaming. Like she never a good sleeper. Yeah. I don't know how you guys do this. And then we and I have to work with the sleeping consultant to help mm. her sleep through the night. I was literally holding her from like midnight to 4 a.m. in the morning in the bed because she will wake up every hour and the crying. But she's not mm. hungry. She can't drink or anything. I'll just hold her. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with the baby. Yeah. And she's already like seven months old. Everybody online tell me <laughs> she should sleep for 12 hours. And I bought, you know, all the sleeping sacks, weighted blanket, yeah. and I bought a book. I'm like, this is all not working, right? Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know how, how people do that, you know, is, yeah. But the sleep consultant <laughs> helped? Oh, yeah. It's like big time. Like we did one session. I'm like, oh, my God. So so similar as a dog training. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually ended up have a course. I was teaching a dog training course and I put, about, put up with literally like a parallel between the dog training and then the sleep training the baby. I'm like, but it's a lot of them. It's like a validation, right? And I try to teach the mom not to feel guilty if your baby's not doing well. It's not necessarily oh, like yeah. your daughter's wrong, right? Yeah. It's just part of it. And yeah. But everybody else tell you your daughter's not right, right? That's really the information I've been getting. Like everybody like send me a message. Oh, my daughter can do this. My kid can do this. I have X number of kids, right? Not them like yours, right? Like, so... So that that was really hard. But when you start talking to the professional, they're like, yeah, it's so cool. I'm like, that's so funny because, again, it's like same training dogs. That's what dog owners telling me. My dog is special. I'm like, yeah, I see that every day, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can totally see the similarities between that. And probably the same, too, with like just that needing to ask for help idea of like trying everything feeling like nothing's working like dog owners are at that place too i'm sure when they call you yeah yeah especially well the kind of 
the dogs I work with, they're really like challenging in general. Some of them really aggressive and they've worked with, you know, different trainers more than likely. One of my clients, I think she had like three or four trainers before me and they could not help her. And she obviously at the point like, okay, we hired Grace. We figured out ah, maybe just another trainer, right? Like, uh-huh. and then. They couldn't believe at the beginning. I told them, I said, your dog have hope. And she said, yeah, right. And <laughs> But then we're, now she's like awesome clients. And she's like, her dog have really start coming out of his shell, right? Like, I was like, you know, and you're a parenting coach, right? So mm-hmm. I was like, people really like should, I tell people like, you should like just really talk to somebody like professionals. It's important, like. Sometimes, you know, people will be like, no money, no time, right? But when it comes to your kids, and I think that's just so important, especially for me. I had a, this moment of uh, before somebody introduced this, referred this sleep consultant to me, I was pretty resistant at the beginning because I'm like, I have the book. I can't do it, right? How hard can be? I said, my, my daughter was going to grow out of this face. Yeah, And then I laugh at myself. Sounds just like the dog owners who refuse that training. <laughs> and because a lot of people say, oh, my dog will just grow out of it. And reality is that your dog more than likely will grow into it, won't grow out of it. Mm. And uh, and then after, I think maybe a month, like zero sleep, right? I'm at daycare and at night I couldn't sleep. I was holding her. So I'm like, okay, I'm losing my mind right now. I need help now. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> And the results pretty instant, like within a week, right? Now she's she went to bed right now, probably between eight or ten PM and the get up between five and seven AM. Oh, that's beautiful. So that's that's like okay, I get chunk of sleep at night. That's which is an amazing thing yes. to have. Yeah, so definitely <laughs> life changing just to have a chunk of sleep. Yeah. So. Literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Your first year of motherhood has been a whirlwind of a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, and it's probably going to continue to be. And now she hates, I don't think she hates diaper change, but every time I change her diaper, she just screams on the changing table. I think she doesn't like to be laid down, right? She feel like I don't want to go nap, right? And then she just oh, kicking. Yeah. I'm like, this is not helping. And then... <laughs> Oh, now it's so hard to put diaper on her. She can't twist and turn now. And she knows how to flip over. So when you try to put diaper on, she just turned and uh, like, yep. hey, don't flip over. I haven't put diaper on you. <laughs> and oh, and then I have to like trick her with toys. Like, here's your rubber ducky. Can you just lay here for a moment so I can put just this diaper on you? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how other moms do this. And, you know, <laughs> and I remember when my daughter first started flipping over again, family member would be like, did your daughter flip over yet? She has not yet flipped over. Oh my gosh, can she flee from back and forth, from tummy to back, back to tummy? And I said, no, she only can do one side and only from back to tummy. She can't flip the other side. Now she's like, just flip yeah. whenever she wants. I'm like, my gosh, when did you get this ability? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did, did all of those conversations and that like commentary make you doubt yourself like and doubt your daughter? I think definitely part of it's like you feel like 
is it like, uh, are my daughter right? Right. Mm-hmm. And is my daughter behind? Right. You know, all this milestone that tell you between the months, this month, like including now I'm reading, oh my God, your daughter should be able to drink from a sippy cup now. I'm like, no, my daughter can't drink from a sippy cup right now. She absolutely hates it. I try to push the sippy cup. She's like, ah, fight me for it. I'm like, come on. <laughs> I don't know. And, you know, and then back then it's like, oh, your daughter had this age your daughter should leave her head and she was able to flip i'm like no she she had to kind of start flipping right but not yet right but kind of for her she always take a little more time she's still obviously in the average range mm-hmm. and uh, i still remember i went to the doctor appointment when she's six months old doctor came in she's chewing a thing i call that chew toy obviously called teething toy but <laughs> having a dog you're just like where's baby's chew toy you know and then, <laughs> and then that she will be like, and the doctor came in like, oh, I'm really happy where your daughter's at on her development stage just by the fact she's doing that. I'm like, oh, thank God. Thank you for telling me that because I felt I'm behind. Like I constantly feel I'm behind. I think now I'm a little better. Like people literally send me videos of their kids working and their their kids also like one month younger than mine. And I'm oh, like, gosh. oh, I'm like, oh, she's not working yet. Um, hmm good for you um yes <laughs> good right it's so hard i have to tell myself my daughter's fine she's gonna take her time and then you know crawling baby smarter come on that's <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of pressure yeah i think social pressure it's really i think nowadays especially internet's available right that's making yeah. it worse same with dog owner right I I just can't help myself to relate and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like you know I'm sure you have clients that they just read things online and they got frustrated they think that's what it's supposed to be and uh, same applies right people online like I read all those oh my daughter after I bought this sack my daughter sleep from zero hours to 12 hours Mm -hmm. oh it's magical I bought two and didn't change a thing I'm like okay it's not a bad product but that's not magical at all um but that's the thing you're reading online and they tell you you know when your baby six months they should sleep through the night i'm like no my daughter didn't sleep through the night so it's really hard to gauge where you add because sounds like people's kid oh so advanced Mm -hmm. um and you know i i was born raised in china like everybody compared kids right i grew up being compared my mom say you see neighbor's kid did this right that whoever's yeah. kid did that and it's really hard I, a part of me i think i was working on myself like okay i need to stop comparing my daughter to other people's kid especially when she's so young but obviously at the same time like am i missing a milestone yeah that's like i have like constantly ask am i missing milestone and my daughter hitting the milestones does she have a development problem right she getting weight or she she's she didn't eat that much at the beginning introducing solid to her was horrible like she just not eating and uh, i also hate wasting food but it's so hard mm-hmm. once you feed her you just have to throw away the rest and you, i never know how much i should take it out yeah like i think within a week or so she start like eating like a little hungry wolf <laughs> oh <my laughs> So I'm like, okay, so she's normal. Like, I, you know, yeah. like, okay, she's fine. And then I introduced this new thing from Gerber called the ham and gravy or something. I fed Ooh. her and she's like, like, give me the gagging song. Oh my gosh. I said, <laughs> what did I do? And then 
And then I said, maybe she doesn't like it. I'll try the second day. So I, second day, I give her something she usually likes. And then I switch to that. She just instantly starts screaming. And then just throw away the spoon and everything. She, she has a temper, <laughs> you know. I'm like, oh, my God, she really hates this thing. Luckily, at my home, just baby food don't get wasted because my dog will finish the rest. I'm like, okay, you oh, have there the you trees. Go. <laughs> because otherwise, it like, feels su- such a waste, like, all those food you take out. I tried to freeze them before, but I previously have, like, homemade food with breast milk. Then you freeze them, you reheat it, and then it just smells funky, right? Like, I'm yeah. like, ah, this is, not, this is not working. And I tried to make some homemade food. My baby absolutely hates them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, I don't know how other mom do this. Everybody tell me, so easy. You just do this. And you just put in mixer and come out. Your baby would just eat it. I tried probably a month. I was pretty dedicated to making food. And then she pretty much hates all of them. And then I just turned to commercial food right now. And she loves them. I'm like, okay, I'm not even going to, you know. You know, I said, of course, there are people going to tell me, you're a bad mother, you should not feed commercial food. They're bad, right? Like, you should do homemade. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, no time for that. And it made me feel sad I'm a bad cook. (laughs) Yeah. I know that there is at least one mom listening to this podcast that is hitting rock bottom. Not because the kids are awful, Not because she wants to leave her marriage, not even because of the pandemic. She just wants so badly to be an amazing mom and doesn't feel like she's anything close to that. Could it be you? Maybe you've heard me talk about parent coaching before and have ruled it out because your significant other would never get on board. What if it was just me and you? I came across a picture of a boxing ring the other day with the boxer looking super beat up and his corner man offering him water, wrapping his injuries, and giving him advice for when he gets back out there. I don't know if you felt it, but we're getting beat up out there, y'all. I can be your corner man. What would it feel like to have relentless, encouraging support in your pocket at all times? What kind of a game changer would it be to have a strategic plan to follow, giving you scripts and strategies that will extend your patience and make you proud of your parenting. It's possible. If this is you, I would absolutely love to chat. Schedule a no-obligation free call. See if we're a good fit. Go to parentingwholeheartedly.com slash coaching. I can't wait to cheer you on. You have enough reasons to feel guilty and stressed out. Like, that's so much pressure to put on yourself. To It's already hard enough to know if you are doing your due diligence to make sure that she's in the normal range and hitting the developmental milestones that she needs to and that you're not missing any red flags that you didn't know about. But to have all of that added on of like, well, she's not, you know, as far along or she's not having the home cooked or she's not doing this like oh that would drive you crazy especially on yeah <laughs> yeah it's like never ending right there's always things it's like never, you just ending. Feel never ending 
And then、uh, we had last last year we had a housewarming. Well, my neighbor came over and said, you know, they're your kid. They're always your kid. They said their kid's like thirty something, still their kid, right? Like you, they said the worries never end, and you constantly still think about them, care for them. I'm like,、oh. and then I was pregnant at the time, and they're like, yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like, yeah. It's not just the baby, right? It's just, I'm sure. I right now, she she has a temper, right? I, I told my husband, I said,、mm, she got that from you, and、uh, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wait till she's a teenager. We're gonna have horrible time, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> it's just, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so she's a feisty one. <laughs> oh, she is. And when we talked to the sleep consultant, she said、um, that my baby is what she called a sensitive as a temperament. So she, like, we hold her, she falls asleep. The moment you put her down in the crib, she's waking up. She's like, she knew,、yeah. like, okay, I'm not in, not being held anymore. Yeah.、Um, and then every time her dad talking, she wake up. Like the sound just woke her up for some reason. Oh wow. And just things like that. And then my dog's nails are recently a little longer since I got pregnant. I couldn't trim his nails as often, so he would tap floor and she would wake up.、Oh、and、uh, so yeah, <laughs> so I'm、sensitive. like, so I'm like, oh my gosh, my daughter have good ears. That's that's a good thing. And、mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so you know you have to like think positive about the thing. And then the dog,、uh, yeah. And then the sleep consultant also very encouraged that you know. Baby sensitive usually they notice small things. It's just a temperament. Everybody has a different personality. That's your daughter's personality, and then she also mentioned that's part of why your baby needs sleep training more than ever. Like because that's kind of caused her not able to sleep,、mm-hmm. and then but once she's sleep trained, she's gonna be a much better baby just because she used so much brain cells to busy with those things. She needs actually more rest. Sounds just like dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. And once you know your more about your child, then you can stop listening to all the advice as much because there is no one size fits all formula or rubric for parenting, and that's what makes it so complicated and frustrating. But once you really feel like you get to know. Who your kid is, then you can be more confident. Then you can know, like, this is going to be the right thing for them, or this is something that I'm not going to worry about, or something I'm going to worry about because it's very like outside the norm for this child. But then that's why siblings are so different too, which is crazy <laughs> because you can be doing the same thing with another child and they react totally differently. But like that's that's our superpower as a parent is. I know my child best, and I think that's like the thing that you can really take on and put up a shield to some of that pressure to say, like, nope, like I'm, I've got my eyes on her. I see her day in and day out. I know what she's been doing and how she's been progressing and growing. And if I feel concerned in like my gut, then I'll reach out for help. But like, other than that, she's good. Yeah, she's good. <laughs> It's yeah. You, I, I like this. You said it's because again, it's just I tell my dog training clients, trust your instincts. You know your dog the best. <laughs> it's exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, yeah, You're but it's so be hard. The best I mean, parent. <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny. I was at a business conference. I said, "I'm a good dog mom. I don't know if I can't be a good human mom." I was just oh. got found out I was pregnant, and then they're they're like. Yeah, you're gonna be just fine if you're good dog mom, right? Like you, you'll be fine. Sometimes I think it's just hard to win yourself. Like you just not able to see it. That's why you have like a kind of outsider looking. Like okay, yes. here's where you're at. Yeah. Um, because you get so involved in this, and then with the pressure, I always tell my clients for dogs, it's the social pressure, right? Like your dog's barking, and that they, you, my client said that the neighbor would think we're horrible people because I have horrible dogs. And I'm bad kids eat probably even worse. Oh my gosh, those kids that, right? <laughs> yes, that's a huge thing. When you have eyes staring at you at Target, like what is your child doing? What yeah. you don't have you don't you have control over them? <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah, no, you know, and part of it obviously working on that, right? As you find training, you try to get support, you do try your best, mm-hmm. but at the same time they're same they're living creatures right they have their problems and they continue to have problems you fix one thing something else is going to come up mm-hmm. and it's um it's kind of like constant reminder in a sense like because i laugh at myself so much when it comes to my kid because oh my gosh i do the same thing like my clients are doing with their dogs and <laughs> i i can't get myself out of it i still in it right like yeah then i realize okay i just did that like yeah yeah but if you don't have that awareness, if you don't take that step back and be able to see like, oh, yeah, I'm getting into that pattern and I need to get myself out of it. Like, it's so easy to stay there and be so involved, not really being able to see what's the actual problem. And so yeah. I'm sure that that's that will be so valuable for you when you start to make those comparisons and see, oh, yeah, yep, that makes sense because I was feeling that social pressure when I was out and I was really worried about how she was acting. So what would I recommend to a client? Okay. Yep. I need to take that advice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for sure. Like today I was going to have her doctor appointment. I was trying to adjust the, this baby carrier thing, right? She got so big now. She does not want to stay in the baby carrier. Um, she will like fight out. Like she can get her arm out of the straps now. I'm like Jesus Christ, and uh, so this baby carrier supposed can do a hip carrier or whatever. So I was this morning I was manipulating it, try to see if she can be sitting there. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try this this afternoon. Uh-huh. I said my baby probably gonna cry there and like a maniac. But then I tell myself, <laughs> well, they've seen it all, so they're not gonna say like your baby's bad because they've probably seen worse. Exactly. <laughs> You know, uh, yeah. Yeah, but it it is hard because we do feel like they are our report card. Like, we can know that we're doing a good job if they're being good. And it's hard that we have to, like, detach ourselves from that to say, like, they are their own person. They're going to have their own voice and their own personality and their own problems, and we can do our best. But that doesn't mean if they do something bad or if they're crying that that is a direct reflection on us being a good mom or a bad mom but that yeah. pressure is there I'm, I'm so glad you like reassurance that like really mentioned this i think it's really about constantly trying and working on that's one thing the other thing is sometimes the outcome is may not be as linear right like yes same again back to the dogs right <laughs> 
right? My clients will be like, I try so hard. My dog doesn't seem to be improving. And then we, we go down the small things like, did your dog used to do this? And they're like, oh, my dog's much better than that. But as human beings, we tend to focus on the negative things, right? My oh, dog's yeah. still bad, right? My daughter's still bad, right? Like I w- sometimes I would say, oh, she's a good sleeper at night. But then like, oh, she's a horrible napper during the day, right? She only take probably like 30 minutes nap. And then, then she will be up screaming. I thought, oh my gosh, I haven't even started washing dishes yet. And then she's yeah. up already. Yeah. And and then the next round's like, oh, please went down so I can do laundry. And then, <laughs> you know, um, so yeah. And then, but at the same time, like at least she's a good night sleeper now. I mean, that's a probably biggest challenge in our mm-hmm. lives right now is sleeping at night. Mm-hmm. And that's, I said, well, during the day, we just kind of have to work through that and that she might be just uh, not sleeping that much um mm-hmm. then i was told oh our baby's different some babies just don't take that many naps and then there are also people like oh your baby should have four naps each nap should be an hour to two hours right i'm like my god that's not my kid she's not sleeping that long yeah yeah so yeah. You're, you're just absolutely right when you talk about that you know it's you work on it and that's you know, may or may not work or maybe not as significant as we thought that's mm-hmm. how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's all those all those shoulds from the internet and from family and from friends that say <laughs> they should do this or you should do that. And you want to do it right because it's high stakes. Like this is your kid. Of course you want to do the best you can and make sure that they're doing the best they can. But anytime you get those shoulds, you have to run them through that filter of, does this make sense for my kid, knowing what I know about my kid? Because nobody else knows them as well as I do. And knowing that and being able to take that into account, you can take it all with a grain of salt that says like, oh, yeah, maybe that is something that I should work on some more. You know, I'll help her to stand, you know, and do some more practice because we haven't been practicing that a lot. Or it's something where it's like, nope. Those naps don't work for her. Like it's not worth continuing to beat a dead horse about this. We just need, like I need to be okay with her being different about this, and that's okay. Yeah, I I think that's really something. It almost sounds like common sense, right? But we constantly <laughs> need to hearing it because yeah. we need that, like the support, right? Sometimes like we just need yes. some, need some validation. I was on the right track. Yes. That's what I hope that this podcast does for a lot of moms is give them the validation that they're not alone feeling like they're failing or feeling like they're screwing it up. Um, but it's, it's usually a sign that they're doing their best and that they're worrying about the right things. But they need to take take note that they are the right person for the job. They do know a lot about their child more than anyone else. And they, as long as they're listening to their own gut, they're doing the right thing. And as long as they you know, keep tabs on things and, and listen to red flags and, and seek help when they need to. I mean, really, that's the best thing you can do. That's so awesome. Yeah. So I'm, I wanted to ask you, because I'm fascinated by um, the way that you kind of wrote out your um, description, that you're an <laughs> anti-obedience trainer. So tell us more about that and that like whole methodology. Um, so you know, most of people wouldn't talk about dog training, right? People in the mind, first thing is obedience training, right? Um, and I'm not saying obedience doesn't have its way of helping and stuff like that. My personal dog's really obedient. I 
took him to a very, you know, the dog trainer actually training military dogs to get him trained. Right. By the same time, I happen to have a Taiwan dog. Um, it's actually super popular in Bay Area, in California, and I think also in Canada recently. It's the Northern, Northern America kind of popular dog. They're actually a street dog, like feral dogs from Taiwan. Mm. And they live on the street and in the mountains and the people rescue them to find them and then try to adopt them out. Now, while and I was um, kind of co-hosting training for those dogs for like two and a half years. And what I see is those dogs will go through obedience training, but they still have behavior challenges that they can't overcome. And that's when I really like... I was pretty successful with my personal dog. I was at the point like, what could be missing? Why those people went through the same program and come come out, dogs still, they're still struggling. And then they they felt they did everything they can. They're like, I have paid the best trainer that they can find for obedience training. And my dog's super obedient. But when come to reactivities, like say there's a dog on the other side of the street, your dog just start lunging. You can tell your dog to sit, right, and to stay. Mm-hmm. The dog might try, may try to like listen, but they can't help themselves but lunge at the other dog. Mm-hmm. So that's a part of like, okay, the way I start looking into like different trainings and try to find what's missing gap. And uh, uh, I think I finally like, okay, so part of it is really the communication between the human and the dog. Uh, when I threw my training, I really feel like I can tell you like, oh, me and my dog have a special connection. Like I know he's my dog. At the point, it's like, sometimes I joke, I say, he's so stinky, right? I have, he needs a bath, he stinks. I'm like, oh, I just smell it. I know which dog is mine. You know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and I said, yeah, he knows which one is his mom. And I know which one is him, right? Like, yeah. I said, we know each other. You're my dog. And uh, I think a lot of owners go through trainings that they don't actually feel that way. There's this, mm. the, the, they, the part of about uh, obedience training is really a lot of command. You do this, you do that, you do this, right? And they're not much the more, for me, I feel the communication more of a one-sided. You tell the dog do this. And we really kind of like not really ask dog how they feel about it or if they can do something else that also reach your goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, obedience training from a lot of my clients, my feelings, they th- see it as black and white. There's a right or wrong, right? But in dog training, I think just like raising kids, there's really no right or wrong or no black and white. It's, I said, there's a lot of a gray area mm-hmm. and there's no, no such thing as 100%. You're going to do this, going to 100% do that. No. Um, and then I started really helping. I told people, I said, I believe that the dog's behavior is a reflection of their mind. And most of the very reactive, even aggressive dog, I said, in reality, they're really fearful. They're mm. really skittish. And the way they showing their aggression is just a way of acting out. That's just a symptom. Mm-hmm. Now using obedience training, it's kind of like you suppress the behavior. Like you don't uh, do that, right? It's yeah. like kind of like that. Yep. But you're not really working on the dog like, okay, how I can help your mind to really see what we call perception modification in science term. Like really see the things differently that you see this make you feel different. Yeah. Like we see a stranger you used to be scared. You have to try to bite the people because you're so scared. Now I want to tell you the stranger is safe. How I can actually show you that. That's, I think it's more beyond just uh, what people like click and treat, right? So a lot of people have a cookie. Oh, you just feed dog a cookie. And uh, so in my training, I do a lot of relaxation work for dogs. 
like teach a dog to learn to be calm their mind. I say if your dog's mind is calm, then the behavior will follow. Mm. Right. If your dog's like, I said, I always use examples, say, in a fire, right? We're probably going to freak out. What what happened if you freak out, you froze? Then you become useless. Things just get worse, right? Mm-hmm. Now, why the firefighters able to solve problems in such a situation? Because they're trained that way. They're, mm-hmm. They they went through the drills. They're doing their mind work. Okay, they understand standards, but they're not freeze, right? Because they yeah. trained that way. I said, how we can help our dog have that mindset in the situation that they don't feel comfortable? Like, if they can calm their mind, like, okay, I'm about to freak out, but I can catch myself and relax myself. Then I don't have to freak out, at least not freak out as much. And yeah. that's when that's when I think the really communication between the dog and the owner come in. Because most of my clients will tell me, Grace, we feel our dog listens us better now. But not necessarily like they listen better. They really feel they're being understood. I mm-hmm. think a lot of the mm-hmm. obedience training, it's not, they don't actually seeking what dogs interpret the thing. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I think it's, misleading i think in the industry as a whole a lot of trainer do obedience training they always constantly tell people if your dog has a problem you have to go do obedience training and obviously dog owners think that's what they have to go through but in real life sometimes i ask i said so if there's a dog passing by what do you want your dog to do they will tell me i just want dog not bark not lunch just chill they do not want their dog sit on the ground and stay for 10 minutes that's mm-hmm. not what they're looking for, but mm-hmm. they felt that's what they have to do in order to solve that problem. Sure. I said, sense. I can, yeah, I said, I'm able to help you have your dog just passing that dog calmly. That's it. And then they're like, that's actually what I wanted all along, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the ga- gap there. Mm-hmm. So in my training, I don't offer any obedience training. I, I would tell people, I have people like, okay, you reach out. I said, what are you seeking, right? They said, oh, I just want some basic obedience. I said, I don't do that. There's tons of trainer much cheaper than I am, right? And can probably do very decent job to get your dog obedience trained. Mm-hmm. But that's not my specialty. And I don't spend a lot of time to do that. But if your dog, like you're struggling, you feel like you, especially a lot of my clients, they've tried it. It's not like they've never done any training they tried a lot of things. They have trainer come in or they went to group training and then they realize dog is kind of better. Yeah, they do listen. They can sit down and stay now. Sounds pretty cool. And then there's a dog come by. Their dog's still losing mind, right? That's uh-huh. when they're like, why is why it's not working, right? So I hope that I kind of answer your questions. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really about coming the mind and teaching relaxation in dogs. And uh-huh. through we do a lot of, you know, body language also throughout like the um, what I call is like it's kind of a nuances on dog's behavior. A lot of my dog uh, dog owners can see say, oh my dog's doing this. Say my dog's ears up, right? People will say that, but then they just see it as a thing. Let's like, say, oh my dog ears up, and then my dog bark at something, right? Mm-hmm. I said, okay, now I'm gonna teach you. If your dog's ears up, then you do this. Because uh, you already see that, yeah. right? But you're not taking actions because you feel like, what can I do, right? Yeah. But I said, there are actually action you can take to help your dog. Then that's, I said, in a sense, you start communicating with your dog because you're like, your dog kind of talking to you in the sense of body language. 
because uh-huh. your dog can't really talk to you. <laughs> uh-huh. But your dog, in a sense, like, hey, my ears up means I said this. Now, if you give back a conversation, like, okay, I got you. This is what I'm going to help you. Yeah. Then your dog like, huh, i surprised she actually got it. Right. And that's the relationship just start to change. And in general, very quickly, the dog realized, oh, I was not misunderstood anymore. And uh, I think one of the misconceptions in dog training, also people feel like their dog very aggressive or reactive. People tend to think my dog's very dominant. Mm. And but in reality, number one is most of the 90 percent of the dogs are not dominant dogs like it's nature, right? like 80 20 rule most of dogs are followers and then most aggressive dogs i've worked with they're extremely submissive actually make them super reactive Mm. i think people feel like people like dog acting out means they're dominant and that i i think it's funny like same with humans right the biggest bullies they're not dominant right they're the scariest kitties right deep inside yeah right it's the kind of same apply to dogs like the biggest asshole on the block actually the scariest dog like they're Mm -hmm. actually really scared themselves i said it's almost like your dog's like i know you're gonna judge me so i have to judge first and that's when they start reacting out and I said, but when we see people, we understand that. When we see dog, we feel like, oh, my dog must be the biggest leader on the block. That's telling everybody, go, <laughs> go do their thing. I said, no. I said, that's really not what's going on. And uh, and I think that's also the part once the dog owner is able to recognize that, realize, oh, that's, again, some communication, right? Because before yeah. they thought it's completely different. Now they finally yeah, get totally it. Totally misunderstanding. Things start to change. Yeah. So... Oh my gosh, I love that so much because that's it relates to discipline for humans in so many ways. Like all of the phrase of like the importance of the connected relationship is huge. It's the influencing factor of anything working between a parent and a child and the behavior of the, the aggression being the symptom of a deeper issue is 100% how kids act and there there's becoming a big bigger paradigm shift now with parenting where the influence of the importance of obedience and compliance is being questioned thankfully where we're starting to realize oh there's actually a lot more going on with that child that if we look at those things those deeper issues and solve those problems we eliminate the need for that behavior ever to happen in the first place and so I help parents find like dig deeper figure out where are the disconnects of the skills they haven't learned or the um, needs that they don't have met or the ways that their mind isn't regulated and and we work on those problems and then when we work on those problems the behaviors go away and it is much less reliant on the you know treats and the you know (laughs) reward charts and the punishments because that's just treating the symptom And so I think that's so fascinating that you're doing that in the dog world because hopefully that will become even more prevalent as this understanding grows because it's just a much better appreciation and respect and dignity for the complexity of the 
you know, soul inside that dog, but also in, in kids. And we're just grown up kids. So like, if we would feel that same way (laughs) as an adult, like that's how, that's how our kids feel. We just need to give them more credit and, um, and help them because they can't communicate that, um, you know, level of complexity of what's actually going on in their head. Um, so if we can help by labeling, giving them the benefit of the doubt, teaching a lot more, like all the same things apply. So I, I think that's fascinating. Um, and good for you for like being that voice in the dog world, because I'm sure there's much more obedience trainers than there are people like you out there voicing like your side of that understanding. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's really, I think, obviously some trainers, they're good at what they're doing, right? They, they help oh, yeah. certain type of dogs, which is fine. But I think a lot of owners, I think the reason I really focus on shy, fearful, and reactive dogs, those are the dogs being felt the most by other trainers. Yeah. Because those dogs, what I, I was joking about, that I was told my daughter is sensitive. I said, my daughter just likes my dog. It's yeah. sensitive. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of the shy, fearful dogs, they're sensitive. They're very mm-hmm. actually in tune very with humans. Very observant. Yeah. With humans' emotions. I have uh, recently working with uh, clients. She's a mother of two. And she's like, I'm nervous all the time with my dog. And I said, mm-hmm. okay. So, and the, her dog also nervous all the time, right? So they're just feeding on each yes, other's energy. They feed off each other. And yes. I bet that's happened to humans too, right? But obviously 100%. people don't, when it comes to dogs, we also have the challenges like, at the end of the day, I still tell people, I compare dog and children all the time, but they are still dogs, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they are animals. They have their side of like, I, I would not guarantee any dog won't bite anybody in their lifespan, right? You just can't guarantee that sort of thing I said obviously there's also discipline where the rules are right you can't pee in my house obviously that's something okay we have to fix I think I heard a lot of um, parenting recently it's similar in dog world like you can't even say no to the child you can't say no to the Mm. dog and that's not right either right right Mm -hmm. and I said you there's there's always consequences in life and Mm. and that's how also help you learn Right. And then, um, so yeah, I think, you know, they're also, you know, everything I bet there's the other parenting coach will completely probably have very different approach than you. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, but your sounds like you're doing the thing also like apparently very similar to what I train dogs, which I love that, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, those are the things sometimes we feel so funny because I was like, Oh my gosh, when I help my daughter, I like, okay, I just need to kind of, using the way how I train dogs. But then my husband like, stop saying that. Like, she's not a dog. <laughs> and I said, well, but she's little enough, I guess. A lot of behaviors are really like numberable. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, I teach my clients how to talk to their dog. You know, people usually talk to their dog, but I said, in yeah, a non-helpful way. Mm-hmm. Very common one. My, my, the people you might even heard like, it's okay, it's okay. Talk to their uh, dog. Huh? I'm like, it's okay means it's not okay. And uh, so I actually teach my clients how to talk to their dog. We actually use labeling as well. Mm-hmm. Talk about the emotions and stuff like that. And then, which is funny. I, so I said, uh, I said one thing is when I teach my client talk to their dog, they look at me like, huh. But they said, would my dog understand? I said, but if you have children, you talk to your child. Do you ever care if she or he understand what you're saying? Uh-huh. Even when they're not talking, they're like, no, because you just talk to them. Yeah. Right. You don't overthinking. Oh, she won't understand. I won't talk to her till she's five years old. 
Right. You never that that never crossed your mind. But when I teach you how to talk to your dog, like, oh, well, my dog understand why would I do that? Uh-huh. Right. And uh-huh. like, come on. Like, and I have clients also like saying um, they feel having a dog so hard. Right. And she, mm-hmm. she happened to be a physician, doctor and the mother. And I asked her, I said, that can't be harder than raising your child. Let's let's just be real about that. There's no way having a dog going to be harder than your kid. Well, obviously, some people probably disagree with me, <laughs> but come on. And I say you're also a doctor. I bet you anything right now, if I say you have done something, say deliver bad news to somebody, they have such a hard time. And yeah. that's probably in your mind. She said, yeah. I said, yeah, can, cannot harder than that. Cannot be harder than that. Yeah. Like you have a dog. Come on. We can't get this through, right? Like it just, I think yeah. sometimes, again, back to social pressure, like just so many things what you're supposed to do uh-huh. come to your dog come to your kid yeah. and then we just like in a sense almost overcomplicated it I, I i guess that's kind of how i feel about it mm-hmm. um if people just say you, your daughter just grow as it's how it grows right i probably like okay i'll be fine don't tell me the rent just tell me okay if she still can't walk by year old maybe that's something you should worry about Instead of saying, oh, she should, right? (laughs) You know, just example, right? Uh, Instead of saying, she should start walking as early as three months. I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) That's when you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so behind, right? Yes. Yes. If you can just like trust her to do her thing and like whenever it happens, it happens, then yeah, you'll have way less stress about it. And like you talked about, like when you're feeding off of that bad energy, when a parent is anxious and worried and stressed out, that definitely translates. Like their ki- our kids look to us and they read our face and they vibe off of us and they become us in a lot of ways. So the <laughs> most important thing a parent can do is focus on themselves and their own mental health and like having a really good perception of what's going on in a very healthy way because that translates 100% to their kids. So I think that's a huge aspect of parenting that's overlooked is just how much it's about the parent and not the kids. <laughs> like I always joke yep. that it's not called childing, it's called parenting because it's about us. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Except, well, people always say dog training is about training the humans, right? Uh-huh. I said, I think more so it's really not about training the human, really understanding the dog owners and help them mm-hmm. understanding themselves yeah. more. So because as human, our challenge also with projecting that's, Right. Come to our child. I bet that happens, too. Mm-hmm. And come to our dogs the same. And when it's come to our dog, oh, that also create problems when you're projecting on the dog because they start feeling bad for the dog. Right. Yeah. They have a hard time disciplining the dog. Yeah. And then they couldn't really see it through. Right. And then uh-huh. that's when usually come out as something emotional, challenging, actually within the owner themselves, not yep. actually have nothing to do with the dog. Yes. So, yep. I bet parenting. parenting. <laughs> yeah, that's probably 100%. It's called conscious parenting, and it's all about like how you project your own childhood and the problems of like how you were parented, and you bring that into your relationship, and then you create like a self fulfilling prophecy of how you're using that lens of how you see the world. And then, like, that's why that behavior triggers you, or that's why you freak out in like all these certain ways. Yeah, 100%. It's all about us. (laughs) 
I know. You know, I my mom was my mom told me I was a late talker, and she was very worried. And、mm. she's telling everybody I wasn't talking. And then she said, "Old、oh, neighbor said you'll be fine." She she when she able to talk, she will just talk about everything. And then my mom told me that was true. Once I start able to talk, I start like I couldn't stop talking. Apparently, <laughs> my my dad actually used to pay me a dollar if I don't talk, keep keep quiet <laughs> during dinner time. That's how much I talked. <laughs> so See, that worry was unfounded. No right, like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so my mom's like, oh, we're so worried, and I was a thumb sucker too. Like a bad one, apparently. I still have weak memory that I was sucking my thumb, so I was definitely、oh, yeah. old enough to have that memory. So, so I was conscious about when my daughter is sucking her thumb、uh-huh. right now. Like, oh my god, should I correct her, or should I give her a chew toy instead? Oh, she's like, oh, she bit her thumb. It's like I have those biting marks. She had teeth now, right? Like, yeah. Like, oh my god, she hurt. Not telling myself, okay, I need to calm down. Like, you know, it's not. And a lot of people actually tell me that's a good thing. Your daughter is self-soothing, and they will grow out of it. Or, so I'm like, what happened? She didn't grow out of it. Then,、yeah. right? <laughs> you know.、So、and then the part, <laughs>、yeah. I know. So it's definitely part of, like you said, what we went through as a child. I think that's、uh-huh. definitely true. And if you haven't done, even for people who have child or even that have dog, they 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 do that to the dog too. Mm-hmm. Um, except maybe not as significant because it is a dog. They don't feel like, oh, there's no way I'm doing that to my dog, right? Yeah, but it happens.、Oh, yeah. I believe it. That's so interesting. <laughs> I know, right? That's why I'm. I was really excited to get on your podcast because, like, this is a great time. I love talk to parenting coaches. Like, just. The similarities, like yeah, out of chart. I would have never、yeah. thought, but with your technique and approach, it's it's aligned one hundred percent. Yeah. So, how can listeners that are dog owners connect with you after this podcast? I think the best way is really visit my website to download their free report. It's mansat-mats.com, and the report really like, especially if you have a challenging dog. This report I talk about really three things you can do today to reduce your dog's. Anxiety reduce your dog's reactivities like、mm. today, and、nice. I also kind of debunking two biggest industry norms. Like when you talk about dog training, those two things gonna pop up in your head. There's nine out of ten trainers talk to gonna re- recommend one of those, maybe put combination of those. And I tell people if you're trying to really solving behavior problems, stay away from them. Really,、mm. yeah. So you help families virtually. Yeah, right now, especially during pandemic, I move everything virtually.、Uh, before I do both in person、uh, virtual training as well.、Uh, one thing is my training mostly I, what I call hands off. I actually never, rarely touch my client's dog during training, even when it's in person,、mm-hmm. because actually, number one, I work with a lot of、uh, quite dangerous dogs, so without touching, actually safer for everybody. Mm-hmm. Number two is really, I said, my goal is really to teach the clients do the thing. It's not me working with the dog. It's like、right. I teach my clients. You see your dog do that. This is what you're gonna do next. So they're really getting a hands-on experience because、mm-hmm. they're gonna go home, spend the time with their dogs, and I won't be there for them. Right? right. I said, if they come in, I handle the dog. I do everything. I hand the dog back to them. 
they still don't know what to do when they're back home. Yeah, and cool. so so when it's moved to online, it's kind of like pretty smooth because I like I didn't really need to reinvent the wheels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I already been doing that as hands off. While my clients did the online workshop with me, she said I was surprised because she was skeptical. She's like, I doubt what can you teach me if you don't see my dog? Mm-hmm. But then she's like, oh, my gosh, the, the entire concept is different compared to what she knew before. Right. So that she's like, oh, actually, me seeing or not seeing the dog actually doesn't affect her, how she able to help her dog at all. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Which totally uh, relate because I never see my client's kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I only talk to parents one-on-one and they are the experts on their kids. They report back. We can talk about everything without me ever needing to... I mean, there, there's times where I've worked with a client for like five months and then we're finally like friends on Facebook and I see a picture of their kids for the first time, which seems so bizarre because <laughs> we've been talking about them together for so long, but like it works. <laughs> yeah. For dogs, I tell my clients sometimes if they feel they need to take a video, they can send to me, hey, my dog mm-hmm. had this behavior very specific mm-hmm. or they're working with a dog, but maybe their timing wasn't right. So they, I said, just send me a video. I can see them and I can critique you on what's going on. Maybe your, your timing's not right on delivered food or something like that. Yeah. And, but most of the training been done just online because really about, uh, just like you said, they describe the challenge mm-hmm. and that we go through like what their lifestyles look like, what their dog have been doing, what we can do. And then, so really it's kind of a process going through that and help the dog. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Awesome. Uh, uh, I highly recommend your approach, though. <laughs> I hope that if any listeners are having struggles with their dog and they resonate with that whole idea of them being, you know, fearful or them being aggressive, I hope that they reach out to you. I'll have all those links in the show notes for ways to connect with you. But then the last way that I wrap up every episode is I ask every guest, how are you the mom that your daughter needs? No, oh, right now, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the one she needs, but she wants me all the time. So I must be doing something right. That's a great sign. <laughs> and and my, my husband jokes because I have milk, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Yep, that helps too. <laughs> right? My daughter like, mama, right? Um, but I think part of it is really, I think I grew up, especially the culture and my mom's personality. And she grew up in a very hard time. She grew up in cultural revolution and she went through a really hard time. So when she raised me, there's a lot of negativities when how I grew up. So I think part of me really like, I constantly like remind myself, I don't want to repeat that to my daughter but obviously I know I, I'm still going to make mistakes it's still going to be hard for me but really how to allow my daughter to be her own person mm-hmm. and really and and she like I mentioned she had a temper I said how I can help her when she grow older like understand how to deal with her own emotions rather than just blow up all the time yeah so she's not acting crazy and but I said I was telling my husband we need to help her when she's like understanding her emotions we start actually labeling now oh, you're frustrated and you're crying and do you not like the food you want something else right yes. so and as we're just trying even though she just kept screaming anyway <laughs> <laughs> But part of it, we're like, we're also proud of her because she apparently knows what she wants. That is <laughs> yeah. a good thing. Yeah. She's not getting it. She's letting you know, I'm not getting what I want. You better give me what I want. Otherwise, I will give you a very hard time. <laughs> good for her. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it sounds like you're such an amazing mom. You need to give yourself more credit. I think you have really, really good instincts and background to be able to have a lot of strategies to apply. And and I think you'll have to tell your husband that like he just needs to pay attention every time you're making a, a correlation between like, it's just like what I do with my dad clients. Like <laughs> it works. It's the thing to do. And you're right. So there's that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you came and you shared your time with us today. Thank you so much for all of the like stories and just being able to share so openly with us. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad to be here and glad to get to know you too. I feel like Grace did a great job promoting the anti-obedience human training that I do. Isn't it fascinating, though, how much we're learning and how much credit we can give our tiny humans and furry friends? When they feel better, they do better. Next episode, you'll get to hear from Jamie Cooper, a mom working really hard to maintain strained relationships with her parents and struggles with boundaries. I'm sure you can relate. Do you feel like you're getting beat down by 2020? I'm here to be your corner man pick you up off the floor, dust you off, wrap up your bandages, and send you back swinging. You can do hard things, but sometimes we just need help. Go to parentingwholeheartedly.com slash coaching to learn more about how I can help and schedule a free call. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. I believe in you, and I'm cheering you on.